Hey, can I tell you a secret? The game is rigged. Okay, so listen, hear me out. You know, you're limited by what you know and by what you don't know. So the question is, how do you find out what you don't know? As a Gulf War veteran, master energy healer, and quantum life energy health coach of 22 years, I've learned that wellness is 100% mental, which means the battle for your life begins in your mind, and your body won't go where your mind won't push you. Many of the things I was taught in my past by teachers, preachers, parents, grandparents, and the media, to name just a few, I found to be wrong. And I don't believe all these people intended to pass on incorrect information, although there is plenty of that going on as well, but mostly, many people just didn't know what they didn't know. And when interfacing with the world through the lens of manipulation, misconceptions, and misinterpretation, it's really easy to make mistakes or missteps. So daily I struggled, sometimes moment by moment, through the matrix minefields. Unending grief, anxiety, panic attacks, emotional pain and suffering, anger, and post-traumatic stress, month after month, year after year, until one day, it hit me like a ton of bricks. So can I tell you another secret then? Only certain people are privy to the truth. But in this podcast, we're taking the red pill, breaking through success blocks and embarking on a journey for you to learn your truth so you can start creating a life that you love. Along the venerable path, there's a mix of my monologues and inspirational stories from some pretty gritty people that have blazed a path before you to consider on your future quest. This is Breaking Good, Great Gratitude and Grace. Let's go. and welcome to Breaking Good. My name is Shannon Lee and today I am super excited to speak with Roman Trokopchik. (laughs) Forgive me if I didn't say that right, but he is the creator of Digital Savage Experience, raised in the Soviet Union and is a first generation immigrant to the United States. He is a self-taught digital marketer from 2008. Welcome Roman, thank you so, so much for being here with me and sharing your story of grit, gratitude, and grace with us. How are you today? Good. Thank you for having me on. Absolutely. So I'm excited to to hear your story. Can you tell us a little bit about your journey of, of immigration and what that was like? Uh, because I want people to get an understanding of, of you, who you are, and uh, where you came from. So when we get into kind of the really hard stuff, we have some reference Yep. So I immigrated to the uh, U.S. in 1990 from Ukraine. Uh, Ukraine was still under the Soviet Union and gained its independence in 1992. Uh, I came here with six other family members, my grandparents, my aunt, my parents, and my younger brother. We had to go through Vienna, Austria, and Rome, Italy to get here, which was kind of about a three-month process staying in both of those places. That was kind of how you basically got to the U.S. I originally was supposed to go to San Mateo, California. I don't know how I ended up in New Jersey, 
Um, we, we got a sponsor, a family sponsor in the area. I think that's how. But uh, I often think how I would be a little different in terms of uh, the variables, West Coast versus East Coast. And I came here when I was five. So luckily, I went into kindergarten right away. And I went into a class called English Second Language. If you come to the U.S., in terms of a child, regardless of what grade you're in, you kind of put in that to learn English. So luckily, I was that young. So I picked up English really quickly. Thus, I don't necessarily have an accent either. Usually, if somebody comes as a teenager, regardless how well they know the language and how proficient they are, they still retain that accent because how your brain is programmed at that point. So I went to school here, graduated a Rutgers degree with a criminal justice de uh, degree. Um, I interned with the Secret Service and then kind of in the recession pivoted into digital marketing and I'm here plus all the personal things obviously that we're going to talk about like my mine uh, and my wife's uh, miscarriages and us becoming foster parents and other things along the way. Wow. I, I can't imagine it took you three months to get to the country. That's crazy. And definitely uh, San Mateo, California, way, way different than <laughs> New Jersey. But yeah, so that's pretty cool. And six people in a two bedroom apartment that, uh, and you have a younger brother as well. That must have been really pretty challenging. So coming from that, you grew up in New Jersey, and how long have uh, you been married? Uh, this past May, it was uh, six years. Okay. So. Okay. So in those six years, you guys decided you wanted to have children, you were going to have children, and so kind of give us a little bit of story about that, what transpired. Yeah, so I, obviously we are along the whole process naturally trying but then obviously it wasn't working so we went into uh, fertility or infertility specialists so we started you know getting tests and stuff like that and um, my uh, wife has endometriosis so mm -hmm. obviously it's, it's harder to get pregnant to begin with um, and we started doing infertility treatments we had uh, one IUI and four IVFs that those five in the last three years resulted all in uh, miscarriages, two of which, as we talked offline, happened on Christmas days. From that, the cost, obviously, you know, in terms of financials, it gets a little costly. So it's at this point uh, about 100K plus out of pocket costs because insurance only covers so much per cycle. Wow. And we did a uh, egg retrieval. So we had, you know, we have embryos basically frozen we, when we do a transfer. Um, that's when the process starts and obviously my wife actually has the brunt of that emotionally and physically because she has to take all the shots to trick your body into obviously being pregnant so it accepts that embryo mm -hmm. and we've done that several times like her her hormones and stuff are still off from the medicine because you have to take like these shots in your lower back for like two three weeks straight and then go on other medicines so it really takes a toll on your body. Um, obviously, I'm just there as support yeah. at that point for the ride, but it's affected her in that way physically more so than, than myself as well. And obviously, it adds that component to your marriage, you know, that that kind of, I don't know if it's, if it's guilt, but it's, you know, you're sad about it, you're upset about it. And every time it happens, it's just kind of, I guess, a, a letdown. And then when you do want to try again, in the back of your mind, you think because, you know, you've had these five negative experience will the sixth be also negative so it's hard to kind of trick your mind into being positive because obviously if you go into it 
uh, stressed out with a negative mindset, that's going to affect the the transfer and the embryo itself as well. Yeah, that's a really powerful point to make. Um, and that's, that's really with anything, but I mean, very much so in that specific scenario, because you can't, you can't get stressed out about it. You, you cannot let your mind go there. Everything that you're thinking, it's got to be like, you have to keep your head in the right place. And, you know, as you're going through it, that's, you know, not so easy. And you've gone through it five times. That's really, really challenging. So what, um, what did you guys end up doing? Well, we're still naturally trying, obviously, like the toll it takes emotionally and on our relationship. We've, you know, went to therapy and counseling to kind of talk it out in the process, how to cope, how to heal to a certain extent. Obviously, you can't get past that. You always remember that, obviously, emotionally throughout your whole life, but how to kind of uh, live with it. I mean, there's different things in people's lives, illness, loss. You're going to eventually, I lost my grandfather last year. That was my main role model. So although it's not healed, I learned how to cope better and grieve and through the grieving process and learn how to, I guess, deal with that pain or turn it into something positive and harness it to achieve things and keep moving forward. But that basically turned into us possibly starting a family via uh, the foster care route as well. I mean, we mainly did it to help kids, but our technical distinction is we're foster to adopt so if we do have children and while they're in our care the parental rights are terminated we would be the first ones that the system comes to ask if we're willing to you know offer them a permanent home and and adopt them Mm. wow well and hopefully that's been somewhat of a uh, healing you know for both of you in that sense but that in in and of itself has got to have a lot of challenges um knowing that it is technically a temporary situation you know yeah i mean foster care has a lot of like the system is is very broken um in new jersey and like other places it's reunification over everything where the situation may not be the best like the the people that the child was taken from they may not have their stuff together worked out 100 percent um the they're still going back into an environment maybe of seeing abuse abuse or being abused or neglected or not fed and um it's it's pushed over everything and like you said it, it comes with its own emotional kind of hardship so we got licensed may 31st of 2018 we received our first placement the next day june 1st of 2018 two boys so they set the case up as the mom will have her rights terminated and you're getting this placement, they will be up for adoption. We had those two boys for a year. That case moved and switched to reunification and they were taking, taken and reunified after a year. So having that false setup in your heart thinking, you know, they're going to be our children. You know, we call them our kids. They call us mom and dad and we love you. We basically, they were in that kind of toddler age where we we taught, we taught them to talk, to walk. They, you know, picked up certain positive behaviors that, you know, in, from imprinting of, you know, right. what they've seen from us. And then they were basically taken. So that was a big emotional toll on top of that. And then we took uh, about two, three weeks uh, off and then decided that we would, you know, continue to do it because there's, you know, a shortage of foster homes, especially good foster homes. So we thought we can still be helping people regardless if the kids are in our home a day, you know, a week, a month or a year. Yeah. Yeah. 
that's that's absolutely true and that had to be really hard you had them for a full year uh it was like literally a day short of a year wow yeah that had to be really hard so some of those times that you you had experienced a little bit of depression uh yeah, I would, I guess I would call it that. I mean, I wasn't necessarily like diagnosed, you know what I mean? Sure. But it's like you go to a dark place when you experience something and then you figure out which direction you want to go. If you want to like, you know, give up, um, you know, kind of get even darker or you want to get yourself out of it, take it and learn something from it and then mold it and, you know, channel it into something positive. So I think with like every miscarriage, like I think uh, from the male perspective, uh, most men don't necessarily show their emotions or aren't too open about them, especially like there's that stigma of Eastern European people in terms of being more stoic, not necessarily showing their emotions regardless because under the Soviet Union, everybody was like not walking around, like I guess in the US smiling, you know, I'm not saying everybody's like that, but just showing emotion more. Right. Um, and I guess men deal with it in their own way. And I think oftentimes they bottle it up and then it explodes in other parts of their life towards their loved ones, their friends, um, you know, anyone around them or it gets channeled into negative vices. But I know personally, I think it usually happens in terms of like when you're alone and you have a chance to kind of like, your mind races to something usually like that's when I get down or sad or it takes me back to that place or something I guess triggers that uh, memory and then obviously that emotion is tied with it as well yeah yeah exactly so in those times um what what have, what was your your number one secret to getting past those those matrix minefields as I call them some of the darker moments and and deciding you know that you weren't giving up and you weren't, you know, playing the victim game and, and, and all those things in your mind. What was it that that made you keep going? Yeah, I mean, I, I think, uh, I guess, sharing to a certain extent, but like leaning on friends and family, even though it may have not been directly like me, just like pouring out all my emotions, but, you know, maybe just saying that, you know, I'm dealing with something if, you know, you know, and just sharing it that way, if you can, um, you know, maybe talk on a top level and not necessarily dive into it. Like, I mean, if you're spiritual, I mean, I believe in God and stuff like that, asking for prayer, trying to get a little spiritual and, and praying myself about it, meditating about it, getting more of a clearer mind and kind of, um, I guess, getting myself back to like an equilibrium where it's not, you know, spiking and, and my emotions and things like that are all over the place. And then I think, channeling and like i said i think exercise and fitness really is my um i guess way to uh, release it somewhat and deal and cope with it so i think that was big i think since i was 18 I, i've been consistently like into sports and working out you know weight training and that that's my like hour of time to clear my head like i just shut off and it's like very therapeutic that, that's my kind of healing place so finding whatever that is for you um, hopefully, obviously, in a positive direction or finding a hobby where it's therapeutic. I know, obviously, a lot of creative things like painting or drawing or getting, you know, that kind of emotion out, like expressing it in a different way. I think it, it helps with kind of the healing process. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's, you know, those things are cathartic as well. And as you said, whatever it is that works for you. So if there was a piece of advice to say, you know, you, you just keep going because quitting isn't an option and, um, you know, there's, um, there's more to your life. And so what's it, what is it going to be? And, you know, we've hit it on a, a few times. It's that mindset. And so I think, you know, I just, I appreciate hearing from a, a man's point of view to say like, Hey, what is it that you guys do? Cause you're right. They are, um, much more, uh, programmed to not express the emotions and keep it bottled up and it goes off to some, you know, some other vice and, you know, and, and explodes in some other way. So it's to say, what can you do, you know, to, and if you don't have friends or family, what can you do, you know? Well, I think with, with my, uh, when I said I lost my grandfather, he was a, ma- a main male role model in my life uh, in um, end of February of 2019. So during that grieving process, like I could have gave up, but I thought about things he said, like he was proud of me, what I've accomplished, proud of me for obviously being a foster parent and taking care of and raising kids that weren't even my own and treating them like my own biological kids. And I thought about it and just giving up or taking it to a place like of negativity or like a dark place, it wouldn't be fair to him for everything he went through in his life. The fact that he, you know, brought us to the U.S. and it wouldn't be fair for everybody before him in terms of my ancestors, in terms of achieving more and reaching my potential. Because at that point, like it, it, it's a bad, there, it, nobody's going to basically solve that for you. It's like a you, I, I always say it's a you versus you battle. So you have to get out of that hurdle in your mind and take yourself out of it because no one, you can go to therapy, you can you know, go to whoever and talk about it, but ultimately you have to make that first step. And I think after kind of grieving for a few weeks and, and being down, because, I mean, that's natural. I'm not going to obviously fault anyone for that because it's a natural process. But then what are you going to do after that? Are you going to harness it? Or are you going to just continue maybe giving up on your goals and, you know, having your relationship suffer? Or are you going to kind of honor um, those that, that are still in your life and those that came before you with, you know, your actions? Yeah, absolutely. Good wisdom there. And I, I can imagine, you know, um, you know, losing your grandfather, him being that, uh, that role model for you. That must have been really, really hard to get get past. Uh, I know when I lost my grandmother, I was, and she wasn't a, a huge role model, but she was in a way, and she'd been in my life for a long time. So obviously, you know, you you miss that, um, you miss that relationship, so to speak. So, wow, um, you've had a really amazing, uh, amazing ride for the amount of time that you've been here so far. <laughs> I guess you had to get it all done, right? <laughs> yeah, and I mean, my my grandfather's focus because uh, backstory to that, my I haven't spoken to my father in about I would say ten, eleven years. When I was young, there was um, a history of domestic abuse, so I've seen my dad, you know, beat my mom, beat my grandparents, my aunt when uh, she was pregnant with my brother. He threw her down the stairs and she went to the doctor and there was a high probability of him being stillborn. So I saw all that. And like, even when I was little, five, six, seven years old, I would tell myself um, that I wouldn't want to be like that. So if I obviously still emulated him and things like that, I would have maybe had a higher chance to become like him in terms of the violence and the abuse towards, you know, those around me. But 
I shifted kind of my perspective to look up to somebody that obviously had those positive qualities. And that's why that that loss was even more uh, difficult for me. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I'm sorry for that. Bring us to where you are now. What is it? What is it that you're doing? I mean, you have a voice out in the world. You have your own podcast, which is is really cool. And uh, uh, Digital Savage Experience. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so uh, it's in December, it'll be three years. But last March of 2019 is when I switched over to uh, interview format. And I think that actually is related directly to the loss of my grandfather. I think switching helped me cope with it and helped me have conversations that led to people speaking about how they dealt with loss and illness and hardship in their lives. And I got to connect a little bit. It was therapeutic in that dialogue as well. And I basically stuck with it. So since then, I've done about 190 interviews since uh, March, like I said, of 2019. So right now I have 179 episodes live. I have 79 in uh, 70 in queue, uh, which is a good problem to have. But basically, I have people from all walks of life. It's not like centered around a certain career or a certain type of people. So I have former athletes, I've had a founding member of the Medellin drug cartel, I have authors, I have brain specialists, I have business owners basically telling me about their journey, hurdles they've overcome, how they got to where they are now, obviously how they reached a level of personal and professional success, what motivates them, what makes them tick, weaknesses they've turned into strengths and advice they have for the audience to kind of really pick their brain and give them a platform to talk about some of the things they may be struggling now, some of the things they struggled before in business and personally, and you know, help people that may be going through that now or have went through it uh, in the past. Yeah, yeah, it's a it's a, a really great show. I enjoy it and uh, subscribe myself. So, absolutely would encourage everybody to go check them out. And um, so, can you tell everyone how to connect with you? Uh, where are you at in the world? Yeah, I mean, if you Google uh, Roman Prokopchuk, there are a lot of Roman Prokopchuks in the world. Actually, obviously, in Eastern Europe, that last name is more of a hockey last name, obviously. But um, if you look for my name, I'm on, like, every single platform. Like, if you Google me, you can find my other interviews on other shows, my own podcast. Uh, Novazora Digital is my company in terms of what I do professionally in terms of digital marketing. And then, like you said, the podcast is the Digital Savage Experience. And if somebody wants to direct message me or message me on a social media platform, I'm more than happy to, um, you know, answer and, and answer any questions about foster care or my other experiences personally or professionally. Cool. Sounds great. Well, thank you so much for joining me here. I really enjoyed this conversation, um, learned a lot about who you are, and it's always uh, really, really interesting. Like you said, it's, it's therapeutic. To, to talk with other people that have been through some stuff. And I think people don't hear enough of people's stories out there. They're just not listening or, you know, they, they really kind of, uh, what's the word I want to use? Isolate themselves, you know, and you, you don't want to isolate yourself. You really want to get out and as much as you can, even if it's in your mind, get out and listen to what other people have to say to encourage you, to show you that there is a path and there's a path to yourself first. And then once you find yourself, you can get out there and really, figure it out um, what it is that, that you're meant to do, you know. 
with podcasting, you jump into the conversation really deeply right away because anything else is top level. You meet someone, you're out, you say, how are you? Even right. though they're going through everything inside, they'll say, I'm great. You know what I mean? 99.9% they just want to, you know, go about their day, grieve, mourn, do their thing. And I think um, you can't really jump into a conversation any better than you can with this type of audio platform. Yeah. Yeah, that's absolutely true. Well, thank you so much, Roman. I really appreciate your time today. And I hope you have a wonderful day. We'll thank you. Thanks for having me on. and grace. So we can do all the mindset things to raise our vibration. Intentions, affirmations, meditations, prayers, and mantras. And I totally encourage those practices. But in order to actually change your life, you must change your resonant frequency. This is the real secret to the secret. You know, law of attraction. You see, your current identity is in direct conflict with your desired reality because you want it all. And the very acknowledgement of that in and of itself is recognizing lack in your life. It can easily change though through superconscious higher self quantum healing and a resonance alchemy. Be grateful for all the abundance you have right now and allow for more. Then your reality will change through effortless grace. Learn who you are, break through survival mode, grief, anger, anxiety, panic attacks, hatred, bitterness, depression, even post-traumatic stress, all of it. To experience a mini session, go check out episode number two, Beautiful Unknown, with Maureen Edmondson, the co-creator of Inner Resonance. She'll walk you through this energy work that doesn't require anything except the willingness to let go of the things of the past that no longer serve us. If you enjoy this experience, I hope that you'll also join me for a pop-up podcast introductory session where you'll learn three simple consciousness shifts to achieve success in health, wealth, and love without struggle. I've taken over $300 off for this session so everyone can afford to invest in themselves first. Everything starts with you. When you download this episode, please rate us and write a review for the show. And for more quantum healing, you can visit our YouTube channel, Tough Mothers 11 House Energy. Like, share, subscribe, and leave a comment, and you'll be entered to win some amazing gifts, including our high energy and our 5G protection products from our merch. And I know that you take away from this more than what your ears have heard. There's a vibrational difference between what you walked in the proverbial door with and what you will leave with, and it will demonstrate itself to you in the immediate hours and days that follow. The universe is ready to rain down upon you the evidence of your increased vibration. So watch for it. And the more you notice it, the more you acknowledge it, the more it will come. Until there is on your doorstep a profound knowing of your value and worthiness that will set you in that sweet spot of abundance for the rest of your life. Remember, tough times never last, only tough mothers. This is Shannon Lee, Breaking Good. Thank you for listening.